First Peter chapter number two. Can I just share a quick testimony? And uh, as far as we'll see how the Lord works, we all know the Lord works, doesn't He? And uh, it's His in His timing. And so one of the things that we've been praying towards and preparing is there is a lot of, and I'll just call it paperwork, um, that needs to be done uh, before we can even put a shovel in the ground next door. And so we're talking structural engineers, civil engineers, um, architects, architectural design, landscape design. All of those have to be done, approved by the city. And so what I didn't know is... Brother Eric would be here this morning, and uh, it was his company that was the structural engineers, um, and he has a civil engineer that he works with that did our parking lots um, when we did those, and so I'm talking to him. He said, boy, it looks like things are going well. He hadn't been in the building um, since it was completed, so he got to see what it looks like now and all the work that's been done. And I said, and we just closed, I said, on this, on this property next door. And uh, he said, well, do you need some expansion work done? And he asked me that, and I said, well, actually. And so we stepped out in the hall and uh, started, started looking at the, um, some of the plans that are out there. And so we talked downstairs, and uh, we're going to have some phone conversations and uh, just be able to see what the Lord does. And uh, I was praying this week. I said, Lord, by no means would he join the church over here. He lives three hours away. But uh, I said, Lord, I said, would you just bring some people along our path? And uh, because honestly, every one of those things I mentioned um, easily are fifteen to twenty thousand dollars. And and so we understand that going into it. And so. Here he comes walking into church on Sunday morning, and he asked me, do you need some expansion work? And so we'll see what the Lord will do. And uh, I said, we'll just take the steps that the Lord puts in front of us. And uh, he already started talking the the structural side and the the civil side and everything. And and, uh, so who can tell? Who can tell what God would do? Amen. And so I want to come back. I want to share... just one other thought with us on this, um, just for today, really, on this um, Baptist um, distinctives that we hold to. I know it's been a few weeks, and then I was out of town on vacation, but uh, we do hold to, and I'm not going to give a summary of the entire thing, but we are a Baptist church, and I'm thankful for that. That describes the doctrine that we hold to from the Scriptures, and uh, understanding that Throughout all of history, they weren't always called um, Baptist that held to the beliefs that we hold to today. And uh, I wanted to get to the letter P. Um, as we come down through, we looked at um, B and, and Bible believers. The Bible's our final authority. We looked at A on the autonomy of the local church, that, that we are this congregation. We don't, Christ is the head of the church, not some office uh, building that is set up somewhere. And I want to look at the letter P and share a few things. And uh, we hold to this, even though you may not uh, hold to it because of being a Baptist, but this is one of the, I, I thoroughly enjoy the doctrine that we hold to on this. And the, the P stands for what we believe is the priesthood of the believers. The priesthood of the believers. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, let's look at some scriptures as we read down through here. First Peter 2, 
Look what it says in verse number 6. Uh, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And we see this phrase in here. And uh, one of the very few times that it's actually used to be able to refer to the New Testament believers as a royal priesthood. And uh, as far as a group of believers being called the priesthood, and the reason for that, let me lay the, the, the context and the background of this. You understand back in the Old Testament, when you started talking about priests, you are actually talking about the Levitical priesthood, that one tribe of Levi that God said set them aside. They will be the priests that serve uh, in the tabernacle and then in the temple. We study this. It is very plain as we go throughout the Old Testament. It was this one certain group of people. And then inside that, that tribe of the Levi's, you actually had certain age group when it came time for serving. Do you know that they were serving between the ages of 30 to 50? That they would actually uh, conduct the duties of a priest. From 20 to 30, they went into, we would call it today, an internship or on-the-job training, that they would learn the duties, and then they would serve in that capacity from 30 to 50. And then at 50, history tells us, they would actually step to the side and go into a training position for the 20 to 30 year olds. And so that cycle continued for thousands of years throughout the Old Testament. And so it was this group, these uh, tribe of Levi, that God designated for being the priest. Well, then it was out of that tribe that God ordained, and of course the first high priest that we had, being Aaron, being able to go into the tabernacle and then be able to go behind the veil once a year. What was that day called? The Day of Atonement, okay, Yom Kippur, that Day of Atonement that the high priest would go behind the veil into the Holy of Holies, the place where the physical manifestation of God was revealed in the cloud, okay? that The cloud would come down, indwell the tabernacle. Once a year, the high priest would go back into that. The, the blood would be shed. Everything would be in order. He would make sure that he is cleansed. He would make sure that he is dressed appropriately for the day of what the Lord had said. He would go behind the veil and he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat and that 
tabernacle, in, inside that tabernacle. And uh, can I just debunk something right here? I've never found it in history, but uh, I was told growing up, and if you found it, then let me know. I was told growing up that there was always a rope um, that was tied to the ankle of the priest and that the priest um, had bells on the bottom of their robe. And if those bells quit dingling and then they would sin and they had the rope to be able to tie him, uh, to, to be able to pull him out so they didn't have to go in for him. Can I say that there is no place that's documented? No place whatsoever. I don't even know where they came up with that. And uh, now, I mean, it's great. It's a, it's a, it's a great addition to it, but it's not based. I haven't found it based in their history, in their culture, and definitely I haven't found it based in the Bible. And, uh, but the priest would go in there. And may I remind us, though, that if anybody else went in, they were struck to death because it was a holy place and that was reserved for those that the Lord said, here's who set aside, who, here's who sanctified, set apart to be able to go in there and to be able to make that sacrifice. That's what's been set since the children of Israel have wandered in the wilderness and God gave the plans for the tabernacle. It was built in the wilderness. Aaron was the first one to be able to go in as the high priest, dressed accordingly to be able to go in and offer those sacrifices. All the way through... Now, whether they were performing the sacrifices or not, that did not change until we get to the New Testament. And now, for the first time, not just based upon the tribe that they belong to, but based upon the relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, a whole other group of people are now called the priesthood. And so we see this, turn back with me to Hebrews chapter number 10. How many love the book of Hebrews? How many love going through and realizing that Jesus is better than anything else that can ever be offered? Better than any priest that would ever put on the priestly garments. And boy, I'm so thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. He is called the high priest as we read down through here. And uh, let me start reading. There's so much that we could read. Let's go back and start in verse number 11. The Bible says, Hebrews chapter 10, And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Right beside verse number 12, I have written one and done. One and done. Verse 13. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he hath said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin." Having therefore, brethren, 
because of what Christ has done. That's what the therefore is there for, okay? Because of what Christ has done, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Christ, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Now, if you go back and study what's referenced here in verse number 20, the veil that hung between the holy place and the holy of holies, they said it was so strong the way that it was woven over the top of each other that multiple yoke of oxen pulling either way was not able to be able to tear it. But if we go back and read about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, you remember that at the death of Christ, remember this, the Bible says that the veil in the temple, what happened to it? It was rent. From which direction? Top to bottom. Listen, there wasn't a human alive that could reach the top of it. But it wasn't a human that rent the veil. It was rent from top to bottom, and that was not to allow the presence of God out of the Holy of Holies, but it was to show symbolically, because we don't have to offer the sacrifices anymore, for us to be able to step into the Holy of Holies. And so the Bible says, because of what Christ has done, by a new and living way through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, look at this, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure Water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. You say, what does that mean? You don't have to be of the tribe of Levi to be able to enter into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God is. Because of what Christ has done. You say, why did that get to be a big deal? Well, it beca- this became a big deal. It was actually questioned and being questioned around the time of the Reformation. You know why? Because there were religions, and guess what? Just about every offshoot of the religions out of the Reformation still have their priest. Even though it was being questioned, even though it was being brought up and saying, but hey, the Bible says that we are priests and kings before the Lord. We don't have to go to another person to be able to get to God in heaven. Aren't you thankful for that? I'm thankful that, listen, at any time, even if the church doors are locked, guess what? you can still bow your head and be ushered into the presence of our Lord and Savior. I'm reminded of what the Bible says when we get down to um, uh, Hebrews chapter number 5. Let me read these few verses to you, starting in verse 1. It says, For every priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. I love verse number two. 
Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity? And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. What the writer here is saying in in Hebrews chapter number 5, he's saying there's a whole group of ignorant people who can have compassion on the ignorant and them that are out of the way because he himself is compassed with the infirmity. In other words, that same priest, you can name the religion, that same priest that people go to saying, they can absolve me of my sins, how can they do that when they're compassed with it? When they are sinners in and of themselves. It had to be someone who was not a sinner who did not have the sin nature. It was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And now He is our high priest. He is the mediator between God and man. And we have the right to go directly to Him. Because listen, I'm telling you this. I don't want that job. I don't want you to have to come in week after week after week, and start confessing your sins to me. It's no wonder they probably have a message that's just been written down when they get up to read it, because if they're going off the flesh, they're going to start nailing everybody's sins that they just heard of that week. Hey, that's not, that's not the Bible way. You don't come to me and confess your sins. Now listen... Yes, we confess our faults one to another. It's okay to go to one another and say, Hey, I am struggling in this area of the flesh. Would you help me pray for this? It's not coming to another man saying, Hey, would you forgive me, Father, for I have sinned? No, I can't. I can't. And that's what the Bible's saying. There's only one, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in the priesthood of the believers that you, on your own, can go before God Almighty. You don't have to come before me. You don't have to come before another human, another lady. You don't have to go before anybody. At any time, you can bow your head and supernaturally be put into the very throne room of God where the presence of the Lord is. You say, is that a big deal? Sure is. Sure is what we believe from the scriptures, the priesthood of the believers that we get to just go before the Lord. We don't have to come in. You don't have to make an appointment. You don't have to say, hey, what's the hours of confession? They're 24-7 because you can go before the Lord yourself. You can keep a short account And hey, it ought not to be that you go before the Lord and say, hey, it's been 10 years and 14 months since my last confession. We ought not to be adding it up that long. We ought to keep short accounts. You don't have to wait for pastor to be in the office to come and get forgiveness of sins. If you sin, I should say, when you sin, and the Holy Spirit of God convicts your heart, because that's what He does, Keep a short account and just go before him right then and say, Father, would you forgive me for what I just did, for what that thought process was, or what I didn't do? God, would you forgive me of that? Especially if it's lying. 
We dealt with that earlier. Get it right before Sunday. But I think about these things, and listen, this was such a mark. Do you, do you understand the transition that took place, especially for these Jewish believers when they trusted and accepted Christ as the Messiah and as their personal Savior, that they no longer had to go down there and make that sacrifice and slay a lamb. But now they could just bow their head and say, Father, I'm just coming to you right now. Can you imagine the first time that they actually prayed without going down to the temple and offering a sacrifice. That they just try, they just bowed their head and called out to the Lord and started spending time with Him. And I thought, Lord, if you'd help us to, we ought to take advantage of it more and more. But we ought to cherish the doctrine in the Scriptures that the priesthood of the believers applies to us. And we have the privilege. And it's not based on your heritage it's not based on who you know. It's not based that you're the most popular person in the Levitical tribe, that you get to be the, the high priest and dress up like that. It's not based on any of that. It's all based on our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and what Jesus did for us. We have access to be able to go before the throne of God. You talk about a blessing. Now, here's where we fail. We don't take advantage of it. I'm not talking about just for confession of sins. I'm talking about at any time, any place, we can start talking to the God Almighty. Any time. You know, I really feel sorry for those that don't have that access and that privilege. Now, some of you that are seated right here, you know the difference. Because you went through going to someone else and trying to get absolved of your sins after all of those years, and then someone finally took a Bible and said, hey, that's not the way it is. Look what the Bible says. And then when you start realizing you can go to the Lord on your own, boy, what a blessing. Now we can go to church to be able to worship Him and to be able to gather together and not just come to be able to stand in line and hope someone's not listening outside. I wonder how much true honesty there is. How honest would you be if we set up a Sunday and made you confess your sins to someone else in the auditorium? I want you to go meet with them in the office, and I want you to be transparent. I want you to confess every sin that you've got to them. Yeah, that's not happening, is it? But we can be transparent with him. He already knows anyway. Priesthood of the believers. Boy, what Christ has offered and given to us because of his sacrifice on the cross. Boy, what a blessing. Isn't that a blessing? We ought to take advantage of it. Now, here's the challenge. Number one, if there's sin in your life, don't come and get it right with me unless it's towards me. But get it right with God. In other words, confess it, repent of it, forsake it, and move on. Get right. Okay? And then let's take advantage of the gift that God has given to us to be able to come boldly before the throne of grace with a heart in full assurance of who Christ is in our relationship with Him. So in your life today, what is it that you need to exercise this, this uh, privilege of the priesthood of the believers? 
Some are sitting out in religions right now saying, I can't wait to get to confession. Man, I got to get to confession. I got to get there and be able to talk to them. This is weighing upon me. Aren't you glad when it's weighing upon you, you can just bow your head and say, Lord, boy, I need to talk to you. And spend some time with the Lord. Well, I'm so thankful for that. Let's have a word of prayer together. I'm going to share a few other things on my heart. Father, we love you. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you that it's true. Lord, I'm so thankful for the clear presentation in scriptures of the priesthood of the believers. Lord, that there is only one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. And we have access to go directly to him. And I'm so thankful for that. May it be a regular occurrence in our hearts and lives. May it be a short list of confessing sins that we need to forsake and repent of. But Lord, I'm so thankful for who you are. Thank you for the access that you've given to us now. In Jesus' name, amen.